0: My grandmother pioneered this industry. I'm not going to let it die. Like, I'm not going to let, you know, them forget about us and then have 100 salons and spas in New York State close. That was not something we were going to sit back and watch happen.
1: Hey, guys. Welcome to Active Ingredient, the podcast. And ultimately, how their active ingredient is making the world a better place. Today's episode is with Rachel Liverman, the founder of Glow Bar, a no-fluff facial spa that offers 30-minute customizable facials at $65. I actually had Rachel on the podcast earlier this year in January when the world was a very different place. And she walked us through her whole career journey and how she got to building Globar, which is not only extremely impressive, but it's also incredibly inspiring. So I highly recommend you check out her earlier podcast that's titled Founder of Globar on Learning How to Listen to Your Gut. But I really wanted to have Rachel back on the podcast because she, like most of us, has really been tested when it comes to her business. Globar had only been open for nine months before having to shut down due to the pandemic. And over the course of the shutdown, I've been literally in awe of Rachel's optimism and resilience. Her business was entirely closed for six months since facials were deemed phaseless in New York, and still found a way to pivot quickly, work on the foundation of her business. And just last week, she opened her second location now that facials are finally allowed in New York again. And I just knew I had to have her on to talk about resilience and what this experience has taught her. On this episode, I'm talking to her about the roller coaster that was these six months, how she continued to stay so positive, the biggest learnings she's taken during this time how she rallied her entire community to get Governor Cuomo's attention when he was ignoring the spa industry as a whole. And of course, I asked her if her active ingredient has changed at all since the last time we spoke. So with that, let's get into this much needed conversation with Rachel Liverman. a lot has happened since we last had you on you came in January so let's like take a moment to think about what that felt like to be in this exact same studio in January versus now yeah like how the fuck are you
0: yeah. Oh my God. Actually, I, I haven't even given this conversation any thought. With all due respect, by the way, just no, like, no. I want this I happened want it so to quickly. Be, yeah. And yeah. So if I was sitting here in January and thinking back to the podcast, I was like so excited. I was like, Glow bars on fuego. We're killing it. We're opening another studio. Like everything is so amazing. Exceeding goals. Like, um. And now sitting in studio, um, you know, I think about this a lot, and. by the way, this is the first time I've like recorded anything since the pandemic. So it's like so funny to now like put on my like recording brain.
1: No, I think that, you know, what's funny is that like even doing recordings on Zoom, like people are just so much more Honest, it's not like the it's not like the PR spiel of like this is what we offer and this is where I come from and no, it's like right like listen, I haven't made a dollar in six months exactly. So
0: I keep thinking about this and I keep thinking about like how we're all like handling COVID and the pandemic and early on, like it was very clear how certain people were handling it versus others. Like, you know, there, I feel like there's going to be like some sort of like McKinsey report that comes out that's like the four main ways that humans handle pandemics. And it's going to be like we all fit into one of those four categories. And I've always fit myself into this category of like when I'm, a, I'm really good in like trauma and like really like crucial situations. So I feel like it, during COVID, I was just like, okay, we have to go into action mode. Like I'm not even going to think about like how sad this is, how like traumatizing it is, how like crazy it is that we're experiencing this. But like I'm just going to figure out how the f to get Glow through this and how I'm going to personally get through this. But then I always knew that in like a year or two, I was going to have like total PTSD and be like, "Holy shit! How the hell did I do that?"
1: Has something like this? Obviously not a pandemic, but like has something in your past career, personal life, like kind of like how did you know that about yourself that that was like a normal reaction for you during trauma? Like is that yeah. something that you've experienced in the past?
0: So not like trauma, but just like a kind of crazy situation. So I evacuated Hurricane Katrina, like actually like two days before it hit. Um, So bef- like middle of when everyone was evacuating yeah. Um, and it was really like Scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also remember just being like, okay, we need to leave. We have to figure out how to get out of here. We gotta make sure we have clothes. We have to make sure we have gas. Like I go into action mode, which is probably why like I'm suited to be own my own like have my own company and run 1,000%. it. Um, because all day long there are baby fires and then big fires like a pandemic, um, to figure out. But um no, I but i have always known that i'm really good in like tense situations and can like go like get myself into that mode and mindset and get through it and then after i'm like i have a delayed reaction definitely so i know that about myself but um yeah January feels like a very distant uh, past. And, um, but I'm really excited to be here actually because being here today
1: versus August 1st, even. I just got goosebumps even with that like intro to the sentence. Yeah.
0: I like, we are going to be okay. And I couldn't have said that August 1st. Um, And I see what the like next six to 12 month path looks like for myself and Globar and the team. Um, And there are going to be some surprises because we all are talking about this election, unfortunately, um, and a potential second wave. And so, like, there are going to be things thrown at us. But, like, now we can all say, like, if we could get through a pandemic, we can get through anything. Do and you, I really believe that. But, like,
1: now, knowing that there may be a second wave, like, do you still feel comfortable and confident planning 6 to 12 months in advance? Like, I'm kind of still stuck in this pattern of, like, not really wanting to think anything further than a month out because I'm like, I have no idea still, you know.
0: I think there are two ways to think of it. Think of like what I do is I think of like the next like 30 days and I'm like, okay, we are going to push really hard for this, but we have to know what like an idea of what the next six months is Mm going to be so that we can like be hitting those small goals along the way. Yeah. But yeah, like I feel confident in planning. Out six to 12 months, but I'm not going to take like serious action towards any of it until it's closer because like, we just don't know what's going to
1: happen. Do you have two plans? Do you have like six to 12 months given what you think might happen at the situation that we're in right now? And then a plan that like, if something else happened that was similar to like the gravitas that was the the pandemic, do you have two kind of happening at the same time? I want to say yes.
0: And my aunt, like the honest answer is like lightly in my head. Do I have a backup plan or, like, what we would do? But, like, this is so unprecedented, mm-hmm. which is, like, the keyword word from
1: 2020. I literally made a caption I, on Nude Nation that was like, is Miriam Webster going to say that this is the
0: word of the year? Right. Um. But, like, we don't know what to expect or and we don't know how to necessarily plan for it. We have a better idea now because we went through March, April, May, June, mm-hmm. July. And, like, what we did Um. we might have to do again. Um. But, no, I mean, we're kind of just taking it day by day with, like, you know, short-term goals and, like, keeping our eye on, like, the vision and, like, what we want Globar to be. Because what I do believe strongly and can say for certainty is that Globar is going to be around for the next 50 to 100 years, whatever that looks like. Um, COVID isn't going to take out Globar.
1: You know Um, what I was thinking? I was telling my boyfriend um, of why I really wanted to have you on. I was like, if I was in an investor role... You would be the first person that I wanna invest in after this whole no, I swear to God, and I follow so many founders. I wanted to have you on because I was like, I have not seen a person react better than Rachel. Like, fact is, is that you are probably the most investable type of person right now because no matter fucking what, you have a solution. And like we're gonna get into all like the details of the different hurdles at different phases, but like That was like my takeaway from it is that I hadn't seen one person be more positive, react faster, stay stoic, and like continue to have that mission happen even if you couldn't have a touch point with your client, which is literally the foundation of your business. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so thank you. I will say I have like...
0: An amazing co-founder that like helps create these solutions, um, if not like creates a lot of them, and we work together on making them happen. So it takes a team. Like like I I really couldn't have gotten through the pandemic alone. Um, but yeah, I think. But what I will say that I have and that I'm really proud of having, and I've always is that I'm scrappy as fuck. And I like, and I agree. Like I know I'm invested I don't need. Is it investable? I literally made that word up. I love it. It's like a person that I would literally put at the top of my list of who I would want to invest in. That means so much. And um, but I I am that person because Neha and I, there was no stone unturned to save GloBar. And what I mean by that is we were we had like picketing signs ready for the day we found out that we could reopen to go to Albany and lobby. In front of their like city hall. Like we weren't, we weren't, we were willing to do anything. I joked that I was like, I was willing to sell myself. Like, I'm like, who do I have to sleep with to like get us open? I'm not even kidding because like there was no stone unturned. And I I can't say the same for a lot of other venture-backed businesses because I saw how they were responding to this and their enthusiasm to get reopened and save their businesses and it was very different than the energy that we put in. Um with that being said, we we had to be really resilient. There was a lot of really dark days. Like I mean fetal position on the couch like crying to best friends, fetal like position I can't even imagine imagine. so So
1: I want to kind of like set the stage and also like if you didn't listen to her first episode on active ingredient listen to it to kind of hear the whole background of how (laughs) how happy (laughs) and just like the whole story of like her career background and how she got to building glow bar but can you just set the quick stage on how many years it took to build glow bar yeah Um, and then how many months because you weren't even open a year how many months you were open before shutting your doors yeah Globar has been like an
0: idea for three years this October, but only really, we didn't start like really making it a reality until two years ago. Um, So we launched our first door um, on June 12th, 2019. Um, And uh, we were open in Tribeca, which was our first location for almost nine months, like eight and a half months. We closed our doors on March 16th and we didn't reopen them until September 11th. Which is going to be insane
1: to look back on. Um, I keep getting goosebumps. I like, know. It's crazy to talk about. So I actually haven't talked about this. So like, I'm, like I'm getting emotional. Like I actually like might cry on this podcast. It's like, yeah, it's really
0: freaking weird to think back to it. Um, but yeah, so we like closed our doors. We went there. I went like two or three times. Like my team went two or three times just like to grab stuff. But like we really closed our doors and we like hunkered down like the rest of the world. And um And yeah, I mean, there's so much in those six months of being closed.
1: I want to talk about the fact that you guys closed before it was actually mandated to close. Mm-hmm. I think that it's super important. And like, I obviously am friends with you and I know that you always have the best of intentions for your consumer, for your the person that's going to Bar. So I have complete faith that you always have the best interests at heart. But for someone that like may not know you personally, mm-hmm. I think that that decision goes such a long way. Like there are so many brands that I can look to right now and say they did okay, you know? Mm-hmm. But like even that first decision that you made, it just speaks volumes to how you actually care because most people try to stay open till the last second mm-hmm. you know yeah. um i just kind of want to hear what your thought process was behind that and having to make that really hard decision
0: yeah that was like the worst that was like the worst part of this all because the reality of like having to like disband the team and furlough the team became like a, a reality um but i will say i'm i learned a lot from those like few days so we closed our doors so March 14th, I think we all started to really realize that, like, an impending shutdown was happening. I think Italy went into lockdown around that mm-hmm. day. So weird that we all remember it, like, every day. And so we were open on March 15th. We had a full schedule. The team was all there. No one was wearing masks. That the, You know, we didn't know how important masks were or what we should be doing. Um, we're talking about this like it was, like, 10 years ago, I know? You know? And it was, like, so not 10 years ago. Um, and so... Um, March 15th, I think that evening, Neha and I had a, a – we we were trying to make the decision. We I remember us on the phone trying to make the decision of whether we were going to close like without being mandated to um, and when. And we just – we were like, we should, but like we also don't want to take that rev- – like that Revenue away from Globar actually wasn't the conversation, but the like f- the opportunity for our team to earn income. Mm-hmm. I was like, if we close, our teams were relying on that day being open and making their you know mm-hmm. money that day. And so, but then we were like, but they could get sick, our clients because like we just there were so many unknowns. And so Neha and I like we knew what we wanted to do, which was close, but we also didn't want to make a decision without the rest of the team. So we called for a call with our entire team, so esthetician, studio guides corporate team and hopped on a call and we were like we don't exactly know what to do like we have a good idea of what we should do but like how safe re- do you feel how unsafe do you feel what do, like what do you guys want and like the team was so um like beautiful in just being able to express that like a lot of them were like, we don't feel safe. Like we just don't, we, there's so many unknowns. If we get sick, what happens? Like it was so scary. And so literally a minute into the call of hearing the team's feedback, Neha and I like, okay, decision made. We're closing. Tomorrow will be our last day. We're going to close early. I think we closed at like three or four um, just to like take, like we had two employees that were like, I'll come in tomorrow. Like they wanted to. Um, and then we closed. And so like, it was really a team decision. But what that taught us for like future decisions is like, and actually Ali Webb recently, the founder of Drybar on a call with us, we had asked, we were asking a couple of questions. She was like, just ask the team what they want. And I like, you know, as a founder, you always want to have all the answers or like even as a friend, as a mom, like just as a human, you want to have the answers to solve someone's problems or to solve a problem. And we're so lucky to have a workforce that, is open to giving feedback. And like, we can go to the source and be like, do you feel safe at work? Yes, no. And like, most of the time you can create a solution that works for everyone. Um, And so like, I think we'll definitely take that learning going forward to just be like, if Naya and I are ever looking at each other or like our corporate team, like can't make a decision because we just don't know, like go and ask.
1: Totally. So that's how we made that decision. such a good, such a good takeaway. So when you made the decision to close, what was the psychological process of thinking like, okay, we don't know how long this is going to go for. Like at what point did you start thinking about pivoting?
0: Yeah. Um, So we were like, we're only closed for two weeks. And I remember like, I mean, ignorance is bliss. I was like, we will never be closed for two weeks. The world doesn't operate like that. Like we will be open in two weeks, no biggie. Like we'll take the time to like, I don't know, catch up on email. And like, I don't even know what I thought. (laughs) I was like, take a like break. I don't sleep past six. I don't know. And then it like quickly became clear that it was another two weeks. I remember when Cuomo at that point was like like doing a like, we're Mm going to be closed for two more weeks, two more weeks. And so it actually happened organically. So what we started to notice, what we really wanted to do while being closed is to look at the operation and really look at like, Does, like, the way GloBar operates today make the most sense? Is it the most efficient? Like, is it the right... So working on,
1: like, the foundation of the
0: business. Like, kind of recreating, like, pieces of the business and
1: looking at, like, our technology, like, all of that and all the data that we collected and, like... So you would say this was, like, a month in of being shut down. You started thinking about how to kind of look into the foundation of the business and systems and processes and make it, like, stronger. Yeah. But for the existing business, exactly.
0: Okay. But what was happening simultaneously was like we were getting a ton of inbound requests for virtual consults and products, and like people were like, "Okay, I know I'm going to be home," or like, "I'm in West Virginia with my family. I need my products. My skin is going to like die without Glow Bar," um, which was like so sweet and so we started like shipping a
1: ton of products and we were not shipping no prior, we right? like
0: we're like a services business like all i want to do is like help people take care of their skin mm-hmm. in person like we like people like in person and we want to always be a service forward business
1: mm-hmm.
0: so we started shipping products so we sh- we brought all of the retail inventory from tribeca to this apartment. I was my best friend's apartment in Cobble Hill where I was staying and that became the shipping hub, which was so fun for me actually. And I think my team will chuckle like hearing this because I like loved being the pick and pack. Like I got excited. I would go to like UPS and get all like the materials and like every day I would print out the order forms and like sit there and like... Like, it was something to keep my mind engaged in, Mm -hmm. so that I didn't like panic basically. Um, so it was fun. So we did that, and then all of a sudden, everyone was like, "Okay, I you can't just send me my products. I need to like Facetime with you. I need to Zoom with you." And so I started doing virtual consults. You yourself, yeah. And I'm an esthetician, so like I can do that. And I've always been the one to give everyone skincare advice, but. So I would do, like, 10 virtual consults a day, which was, like, so fun to connect with the customers. And I'd always ask, like, also, like, I'd be like, okay, wait, tell me what you like about Globar. What do you not like about Globar? What can we do better? Like, you know, I was, like, kind of an opportunity for me to, like, really talk to our consumer in a way that I hadn't been able mm-hmm. to in studio. Fast forward. Fast forward we like couldn't handle the amount of virtual consults that were being requested. And we started kind of talking about them on social and people were from like all over the world. So I did virtual consults in Israel, in Greece, in what an opportunity. California. It was so cool. Because and, like, your
1: consumer obviously is New York based. Like you had the Tribeca studio. Yeah. What an opportunity to just connect with so many people. Yeah. So that was super fun. So then we got our
0: estheticians involved in that. So from home, they would log in. We had So a, like, wait, sorry, we're, sorry to interrupt, but were people paying for the for the virtual consult? Great question. So a lot of people were charging for virtual consults. We didn't, like, we always do a gut check on what feels right to GloBar, and we didn't feel like that was the right thing to do. And also, like, our mission is to help people take care of their skin. And of course, we need to create a sustainable business model. But, like, I was like, no, they'll buy product or they won't. And, like, will help them. And so it was my time initially. So I was like, okay, I'm not charging for my time. Like I'm happy to do this. I want to talk to my customers. Like this actually, like I get more out of this than the $15, $20 I could charge. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, so we didn't. And we launched this in like a big way and had estheticians doing it all day, every day during the rest of quarantine until we opened. Um, And it was just... And the estheticians were also doing it just
1: from their own time. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And like we had, you know, a pay structure on the back end for that time because of course they deserve to be paid Mm -hmm. for their time and everyone had been out of work for so long. But it was a great way for them to be re-engaged with their their expertise and their clients and like what they want to do every day. So... What
1: was the the best takeaway that you learned from your from your consumer. Like from is that what you call them, your consumer? Yeah, or clients, your your clients. What what was the what was the biggest takeaway that you got from your clients from having that FaceTime with them? I think it was that we had really created a habit in those nine months.
0: So it was really interesting to not have just like my best friends be like, I miss Glow Bar, because like they all say that and like I think they mean it, but like their bias. Like they would love it even if it wasn't the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. Um, But like having these strangers who like are just our clients who just heard about us one day, came in and became members, really be like, I can tell, like I can, I see a difference in my skin not coming and like I miss it. Like it's my monthly thing. I got so used to just booking and coming every single month and like just really like them emphasizing that it became like a monthly habit for them, which was always our goal. We wanted to shift people's behavior. Mm -hmm. We didn't want people getting two facials a year. We wanted them getting 12 facials a year and we wanted to make it accessible um, and effective, obviously. And so that was like just really great to hear. And it just also reinforced like that, we should continue the membership, iterate on the membership. Like we talk a lot about having a few different types of memberships. Um, and that's something we hope to roll out soon so that the people that want to come more than once a month still feel like we're really appreciating them mm-hmm. and and acknowledging that they want to come more. Um, so that was really nice. And then just like also that like people were really loyal to the brand. Um, So these are kind of like qualitative things, but like they mean a lot to me, obviously. And like just having people be like, I miss you guys so much. And like we had members that were buying like um, full year memberships during quarantine just to support us. And like... You know Sam Todd, like I mean, I think about him all the time because, like, right when the pandemic hit, he really recognized that, like, we as a small business were like going to be struggling for a while, and he was like, "Let me pay for my membership in advance." And I remember like that eight hundred dollar charge, or what uh, you know, not exactly eight hundred, like meant the world to us. Like
1: I was like, "Oh, like that that is so significant to our business." So little things like that. So you guys were doing these virtual um, appointments with your clients. At what point were you like, okay? Like, we've been doing this for a few months now. I'm getting frustrated because I'm seeing other businesses open. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. At what point were you like, okay, this is enough. I need to start actually, like, making this extremely loud to get our business open again? And second part to the question, how much financial runway did you have? Because, like, being that excited for virtual consults that weren't giving you any dollars through the door Mm -hmm. may not be viable for a lot of businesses that may be listening, you know? So, like, I guess... First, at what point were you so annoyed with the system already? Because so many things like bowling alleys were being open yeah. and you weren't. And then second part to the question, what was your runway looking like? And yeah. like moving forward, are you what are you thinking of for runways moving forward? Yeah. So um
0: we got really pissy in July, <laughs> end of July because of what you just said, which is we just saw businesses reopen and and by July you know dentist offices and med spas were allowed to be open and it just became like increasingly clear that there was no talk of us in these briefings from Cuomo or just any like talk about like what they were doing with the skincare industry facials particularly and it was even more frustrating to see on social, people starting to go get treatments at their med spa that we do and with no mask on. And then and then it started to get deeper which was like is this a female thing? Like is this because the aesthetics industry is more like is predominantly female in its labor force but also in ownership like majority of spas are owned by women mm-hmm. because we all love to help one another, which is the beautiful part of being a fucking woman. And I was like, you know, wait, is this, is this what's going on here? And then I was like, and who annoyed Cuomo from like the skincare industry? Like, why is he becoming so like, or is, why has he forgot I about it? I had not
1: thought about it from that female
0: ownership perspective because if I was actually- men owned salons, we would have been open in July.
1: I was talking about this with my boyfriend because I was like, okay, you know- There's like so much noise about the restaurant and bar industry, which is Mm -hmm. totally valid. I mean, the city literally thrives off restaurant and bars and I totally understand them taking priority. But when you really think about the essentialism of a bar versus a service and like, it's just they're the same. It's like, the, it depends yeah. on the person and what, you know, like they are both extremely yeah. valuable. Like why was one the point of conversation for every single time that Cuomo was talking about it? It was like, when are restaurants going to be open, but no other industry was getting as much airtime right. as that industry, yeah. you know? And we're like not as big as restaurants, right? So you can make that
0: argument that like, you know, salons and spas make up less of like, you know, the economy. I don't know, but... It was just – it was getting so irritating. So end of July, we started really realizing, like, A, we were starting to look at our runway. Mm -hmm. So I can answer that after. But we were starting – like, there was, like, some fear in, in us and, like, fire under our ass of, like, okay, runway is not looking as long anymore. And we need to have a path to open. Um, And I always said, I remember saying over and over, I don't care if Cuomo tells me I can't open until September 15th, but I need to know that date so I can make some serious decisions right now. Because if like I need to like let go my corporate team, I need to know that now so that I have a business to come back to on Mm -hmm. September 15th. And we just had no date. And so Neha and I started an email campaign. And We just decided one day, like, and in these decisions, because we're so small, happen, like, at our desks. Like, we look at each other and we're, like, basically, usually what drives a decision is anxiety or, like, panic, where we look at each other and we're, like, all right, we have to fucking do something. We have to do something quick and now and, like, big. Was there a straw that broke the camel's back that was, like, I think just, like, just, like, daunting anxiety of, like, and not even, like,
1: really, like, realistic anxiety of, like. totally, but, like, I feel like that could have been in, in June, July, or August. You know what I mean? Like, was there something that you saw oh, you know like what something it was? be open and you're like, what the fuck? Why are they open and not us?
0: It was um, when Jim's got the announcement that they could open in two weeks. That's exactly when it was. I forget the exact date, but we were like, Uh uh, like they got a date, but we don't get a date, and so we just started this email campaign on our Instagram, and we don't have a like we don't have fifty thousand followers, a hundred thousand. Like we are still a really small business, and but we have a really loyal community, and this community is loud and gives a lot of shits, which is incredible. And so we started an email campaign where we made it super easy for you to like click on the button. It generates an email in your Gmail or Google. I don't I don't know these things, (laughs) and then it just sends for you and apparently we annoyed the government so much and we kept updating the email so it wouldn't go to the spam. Spam, And we kept updating the email addresses. So as we found like different people's email addresses, we would like add them to the list and just like whoever we could annoy to get the attention of them. Simultaneously in parallel, we were also working with a lobbyist in Albany to help us. So we had hired that. So we had to like spend money to do that, which was
1: a big decision also. Um, but and like, let it be known that you're obviously doing this for Globar, but you're doing it for your industry as a whole. And oh, like, yeah. when you started this campaign, it was really cool to see everyone in the industry rally behind Globar. Oh. You, it was like, Just such a just such an iconic moment. It was so. It was actually really fun because we're the little guy. Like if you think about
0: it, like we're the little guy. I mean, we think we're big, you know, in our heads. We're like, oh, like we have two studios, yay! But like we're really small. Like ever, like people know who our competitors are. They have more studios than us, or more venture dollars behind them. Like whatever that is. And we really like showed our guns, and they all like got behind us, and you know. Like even small guys, like even like Sophie Pavitt and I are now friends and like Georgia Louise, like incredible women who like, I don't look at as my competition. I'm like, no, we're, we're colleagues. Like we're in the same industry together. And like when we need one another, we're there for each other. And like. I've
1: had goosebumps in this conversation now, like seven times.
0: Yeah, it's fun. It's like it's a it's a look, th- these are the silver linings. Like there's a lot of like sad, like not fun story or parts yeah. of this, but like these are the silver linings for sure. And but I think they're really gonna make us all stronger. So yeah, so we did it for the industry, um, obviously ourselves, but also like for the industry. Like my grandmother pioneered this industry. I'm not gonna let it die. Like, I'm not gonna let you know, them forget about us and then have a hundred salons and spas in New York state close. Mm -hmm. Like that was not something we were going to sit back and watch happen. Which is why I think you're the most investable
1: person I've seen. Give me your money. No, I'm like, actually, like, let's talk later because... I'm 100% serious. <laughs> you're sweet. So, okay. So you made a ton of noise. Your community rallied. The industry was behind you. You're getting airtime literally yeah. on broadcast. Like you're, you know, out there screaming oh my God, open. 11. I mean, Shirley stop. Chan. I
0: love her, by the way. <laughs> Shirley Chan. I Actually, I have to tell you this really quickly and you can cut this out of it. But I was walking my dog in like a deep depression one day, probably late August, and saw... Um, An editor from Pix11 next to their truck filming something, and I was like, "Hi!" Like started chatting with them because you know me, I chat with anyone. And lo and behold, I was like, "I have a business that's closed. I need you to like do a story on this." And she effing did it like the next week, or like maybe three days later. She goes, "All right, can you do it tonight?" I was like, "Yeah." She's like, "Meet me in Tribeca," and I don't even know like we don't know exactly what that would do at the time, but like. We were on PIX11 talking about how, like, I think the But headline, this is,
1: like, where, like, the desperation and hunger. I was so... I would have... You know? I would have gone on any... Like,
0: <laughs> and I would talk about this with anyone at the time. <laughs> but, yeah. So, like, it made noise. And um, fast forward. So we were doing an email campaign.
1: Then we you had, posted... You had your email campaign, lobbyists. And then you're just, like, stopping yeah. on someone's truck and being like, interview right, me. Right. And so then... <laughs> Um, and then we, our final
0: thing was, I was like, let's create a slide that looks like Cuomo's slide, like his like PowerPoint presentations that say like esthetic, like this estheticians need you, the industry needs you, we need you. And like, see if that can go viral. It, it like, you know, got a lot of like action because everyone thought it was like a Cuomo slide, but mm-hmm. it was, cause you know how like, I yeah yeah like Jilly yeah. Hendricks would even post like a couple of those or something. I, I don't, don't know. know. Anyways, um, and then I kid you not. September 4th, we're in our office. It's a Friday. It's the Friday before Labor Day. We were like depressed. We're like, we really thought this week we would get some traction or hear from the governor's office, like something. Like we were just like going into another dreadful weekend of being closed. No Labor Day plans because like, first of all, we have like no, like personally no money anymore. And like, just like kind of like waiting to hear that we can open. So we're all like in town, but Mm -hmm. doing nothing. And an email comes in our inbox. And I hear Neha down the hallway scream. She's like, Rachel. And she was having a meeting with our ops manager. And she's like, read your email. And I opened my email and it was like, hey guys, like job well done. Read below. Guidelines have been updated. You can open. From the government.
1: From From the governor's office.
0: Yeah. And like a lobbyist. Like it was like a bunch of people and like a few people that we were working with on this. And we were like screaming. I've never screamed. Like I was, like, so excited. I'm going to have to shave again after this interview because my goosebumps. Oh, my God. (laughs) But, yeah, we, like, were screaming our office. Like, we work in a shared office space. And so, like, everyone around us was, like, annoyed or, like, weirded out or, like, they didn't know what happened. We were, like, screaming, jumping up and down. Like, the whole team, like, hugging because we were, like, finally. And so then we decided to open September 11th Tribeca and Upper East Side the 18th. And so we, like the next week or two was like a blur because we were like, oh shit, wait, <laughs> now we have to reopen and like hire the team back, train the team on like new sanitation protocols and safety and make sure they feel comfortable. Like that was like a whole other thing. I was like, okay, we can open, but like I need to make sure my team is ready to come back and like feel safe coming back and like asking them what we can do to make them feel safe. And so. How did they feel? They feel great. So oh how did they feel when, when you guys were given the green light? I think well, really excited to come back. So like we offered everyone their job back. Majority of them came back, um, which we were so happy about. Um, And we were able to hire actually eight, or nine new people. So hiring people in a pandemic was so much fun because it just means so much to all of us mm-hmm. um to like have a job right now and to like come to work with people that they enjoy. Um but uh they were excited. I think everyone was like what does work look like now and like is it safe? Um and we were all nervous about that. Look, like I think we're all still nervous, but we all get covid tests every 2 weeks and um, get really excited when it says negative obviously we all like <laughs> send each other like screenshots of it
1: so So you had plans to open the Upper East Side location. Those plans were underway before COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, At what point were you starting to kind of like think about opening and get those kind of ducks in a row? um, So you were ready for that September. What day was it? September 18th 18th opening date.
0: So Upper East Side was supposed to open April 6th. And then (laughs) obviously. And so it kind of sat there ready to open um, for the entirety of the pandemic. And for both of your
1: spaces, were you still paying rent? Mm Mm-hmm. The whole
0: pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a whole nother story. I, like, I'm, like, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, like, kind of crazy.
1: No change in rates, nothing? You're paying the same? So we were
0: able to negotiate with our landlords, and everyone was so understanding. But, like, there's a whole systemic thing there, which is, like, they can give us a like deferment of rent or but like a cut in rent, but it's deferment and it's a cut in rent. And also they weren't getting a break on their mortgage. So there was a whole, the world wasn't ready for this pandemic. Like, you know, and, and I don't blame my landlords for being like, I still have to pay my mortgage. Right. I don't have, you know, six months of like payments in the bank. Like right. I get that. So, um, we never talked about runway.
1: No, oh, yeah. We d- definitely need to talk. About and runaway. we
0: can, um, but yeah, so we, you know, what was great is that we could open the second we got permission to open. So we gave ourselves like two weeks just to make sure the space was truly buttoned up and because it was already truly ready April 6th. It was almost like it was almost there. Um and so then we just, you know, hired a new team and they're incredible. Oh my God. Our team is like stronger than ever. Um and reopened.
1: So in terms of your runway, I know that you guys were doing fucking amazing those first nine months, but how did you have the kind of business structure in play to keep you at this level? Even if you had a rent reduction or a deferment, like how did you, I mean, that's a big runway for a small business that has literally only been open for nine months, you know, and you're offering $65 facials. Like I'm sure you guys were doing incredibly, but like that's a long time for a business that has only nine months under the belt to be closed for that long. So yeah. um, Yeah. What was your runway? And now knowing what we've been through, what is kind of like your runway goal moving forward to always have in the bank? So Um, I don't manage our
0: finances because no one would want that. (laughs) Um, but I do keep a close eye on them and, you know, so I can give you very high level, um, information, but basically like we always want to have like a year of runway on hand. Um, and you know, my co-founder Neha is really smart about like the financial side of our business and keeps me very honest about Um, how many taxis I take or not due to that. And so luckily we went into the pandemic in a really great financial situation to, you know, keep us afloat for how, for what we needed to for Mm -hmm. this situation. We also got EIDL and PPP. So we did get those. um, But what everyone always forgets is that like EIDL is a loan. It's not it's not like free money mm-hmm. and frankly speaking PPP isn't really free money either because we all will probably be paying for it for mm-hmm. the next like nine years um but we did get those and so those really helped us get through those the six months that we were closed um and we tried to keep a year of runway on hand um right now like, cash is king we want like to keep a year of runway on hand also and when we can we we do um, and that's the goal but like sometimes like we've had we've seen 6 months of runway unfortunately in the past like 6 months so right. we're getting back there
1: yeah, it's so interesting. I know every business is different, but I think it's like worth noting and especially talking to someone that has like a physical space that you're paying rent for. What are your thoughts on like the future of that? Are you getting a lot of requests for in-home facials? Mm-hmm. Um is your vision still the same to open more physical locations? Kind of walk me through that. Yeah, vision is totally the same. I believe
0: strongly in service-based businesses, um, there are so many things that you can, us as consumers, can replace a professional for. But skincare is not one of them. Where estheticians are so um, skilled at what they do, and they're truly like skin experts. So, um, even myself, like I, I, I go and get a glow bar facial every month. Like I'm not doing it on my own at home. And so, I believe strongly in that. A lot of people are saying retail is dead. I think what we knew of retail is is dying. Um, but Globar was built for a modern consumer. And I think we're like perfect for a pandemic, which I keep saying, because we're a 30-minute facial, so limited exposure, mm-hmm. separate treatment rooms. You wash your hands and face before your treatment, which we were doing pre-COVID, by the way. It feels like the vision is still there and can still really succeed in this new world that we live in. So we plan to open a few more studios in the next 6 to 12 months.
1: Are you looking at real estate right now? Oh, Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is the best time, especially if you, if you do have a cash cushion right now, like this is the best time to be doing it. Yeah. And I agree. I mean, I think it's a, it's a really good recession proof, pandemic proof when it's like a this specific pandemic that it's like, you know, a lot of places close because you can't have touch points a little bit trickier, but like price point wise, you're the best type of business for a recession.
0: Yeah. And,
1: and we wanted that. Not that we're in a recession, but you
0: know. No, we wanted that. I always wanted to make professional skincare accessible, mm-hmm. whatever that means to you, whether it's just that it's around the corner that it's at a like accessible price point that it's just 30 minutes like you know accessibility means different things for all of us yeah. um you know we have some of the wealthiest clients that love our $65 price point we have you know moms that are like I come here because I only have 30 minutes um and so it's just like I just see such a strong future for us um and the other thing is that like I will tell you clients that come in are not very worried about safety. So there's still just a huge group of people that are like and I'm not saying they don't wear masks. Like everyone's being smart, of course, but like they are like no, I want to take care of my skin and I'm going to come. Like and I feel totally safe um and they walk in and they're like they feel absolutely safe but they're like not too stressed about it. So our concern was like are people going to even come in? Are right. they going to be too scared? And like right. the the big answer is like people are not too scared to come get facials, which is amazing.
1: Are you seeing interest for in-home or is that not an area that you're willing to tackle? Or not willing, but don't want to tackle? I've never had a request for it.
0: Ah, uh, excuse really? me.
1: Excuse me. One. I had a friend whose mother had just
0: gone through chemo, I think. I am forget. Or sur- had a surgery and was like, do you guys send your estheticians in-home? Um, and that was the only request I've ever gotten.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I've seen so many of these service type businesses, like acupuncture, massage, all these places kind of pivot to in-home. So that's pretty, wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm cool. not, I'm not, I, I think that there's still such a desire to get out of your house. I mean, yeah, especially, especially <laughs> I, now.
0: Totally. But like, even like, you know, it's like, we all say like errands are such a pain in the ass, but like, it's, it's. We we like thrive when we're busy as no, humans. We're human
1: like it's the human condition to want to be around other humans. Yeah. I just I asked just because I've seen a lot of people pivot in that kind of way. So I just was curious to see if you've seen interest in that um, in that area. Well, I mean, your story has been truly incredible to watch. Obviously I feel super lucky that I feel like I have a front row view because we're friends and I see this kind of like on a first hand basis, but you really are kind of someone that I look to whenever I'm feeling like shit, like this is a really hard month or, you know, whatever. I'm like, Rachel has literally been closed for six months. <laughs> like <so horrible. laughs> you literally show up, like put your big girl pants on and fucking do it. You know? Yeah. No,
0: um, we, we said that a lot during actually exactly what you said. Like Neha and I were like, we're like, Putting on our big girl pants today, like you That's have to. Literally what I feel like when I look at you. <laughs> you have to be resilient in these times, and like, and and in so many different ways, like, like emotionally resilient. Like there were dark days. Like my family actually, like we were doing um, Zoom dinners every week, like once a week. And we would all like cook kind of similar things. It was fun. Like every like mm-hmm. every week we would switch picking. And eventually, like in August, I told them I couldn't do it anymore because I like was like just in a dark place. I was like, I don't want to like have you ask how I am. I don't want to have to like put on a fake smile. Like, and so there are dark days, but like, you kind of have to keep your eye on the prize and like keep looking forward. And um, I'm reading this book, um, Super Attractor by Gabby Bernstein for the second time. And she talks about this emotional scale. And it's, I, I can't tell you exactly the scale, but it's like, if you started at like a sad place, just move yourself up the emotional scale. So if you start at like desperation, just move yourself up to anger. And that's even better. And from anger, move yourself up to like helplessness, I think is above it. And then from helplessness, and then you keep going up and then you eventually get to like happy or joy or like all those things and so I feel like in those like dark days I'd just be like okay like even if I'm feeling like despair right now let me get angry at Cuomo (laughs) and that will be a a like higher emotional scale to go to.
1: I want to know what your biggest takeaways from this whole thing is. I feel like you've sprinkled them into the podcast, but like what has been your biggest learning on yourself on kind of like your view on your business and your life? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, Personally,
0: um, so when the pandemic hit, um, I had a lot of time to like, kind of like think about and like assess like how like how ha- like I was how happy I was in my personal life and like with myself and like was I taking care of myself and was I putting myself first even before Glow Bar, which which I really quickly realized that I wasn't. And so um, I my big takeaway is like I actually have to take care of myself first and have my own needs met before Globar's needs, which was something that in our first year, year and a half, I really didn't even think about, mm-hmm. which I think is a normal thing for founders. It's like you're just like kind of trying to stay afloat, keep make this thing a thing mm-hmm. um, that has legs. But I tend to do that. And so like coming out of this, like making sure that I'm exercising, eating healthy, like really taking care of myself. And this is so cliche, but like I was a like a really um, good example of someone that like didn't do that and put my company first and team first and those things and like I really have learned that like if I am taking care of myself I'm going to be a better leader and coworker and and friend but like um, especially at GloBar like I'll be my best self so that's like a personal one but I think professionally there's been so many but I think just there's always a solution. Like like there's just always a solution. Um, even to the hardest things, like um like, ha- like having a pandemic hit, like you figure it out. Um and I don't know, I I I just think like when I get to a hard place or I don't know what to do, I've just started to remind myself like I can figure this out and there will be a solution and we can make this kind of easy and don't need to like overcomplicate or get too overwhelmed. And that's like a new kind of like way I'm framing things because I used to get really overwhelmed. I'd be like, oh my God, there's a pandemic. Like, you know, what are we going to do? And it would like disable me for like a period of time. Now I'm just like, okay, we will figure this out. There's a solution to everything. And I, I mean, I mean, if a pandemic doesn't teach you that, I don't know what will. Like, like or getting what a value through a pandemic.
1: What a valuable lesson. Yeah. You know, like what a strong data point to rely on moving forward when you're like, can I, can I not do this? Like, oh no, I got my business that was only open for nine months. Through a pandemic. Yeah. And it's thriving. Like, what a strong data point to look back to whenever you're questioning that. Yeah. That's a great question. And I feel like after this, I'm going to think
0: a lot about it and have a more articulate answer. But yeah, I just think, like, we can figure it out. And, like, I w- I read this other book by Mel Robbins. Did I tell you to – I did tell you to read it. Did you? Untamed?
1: Yeah. I did. No, that's not – that's not – That's um, um. Oh, my God. Um, Gwyneth Doyle,
0: and uh, Doyle, and Doyle. Oh my god, listen Gwyneth. to us,
1: Gwyneth Paltrow, Glennon Doyle. I love it. Are you kidding me? I read it. I made my Undrained. sister read it. I'm
0: literally obsessed. It literally
1: makes me want to be a lesbian. But you,
0: I, I know. I was like, wait, am I a lesbian? Like, I don't like everything she describes about her relationship. I'm like, oh my god, you guys have like the dream come true, and your ex husband hangs out with you, like, and you have adorable children, <laughs> healthy, whatever. But anyways, Glennon Doyle says that you can handle hard things, and like. It's so fucking true. And I really remind myself, I remind myself of that at work. I remind myself of that when I'm working out, when I'm like, these lunges fucking hurt. I'm like, you can handle hard things, Rachel. But like, it really throughout your life, like, I think like you can find a solution to anything and like you can handle hard things is like kind of the theme for the past six months.
1: I mean, what a great theme to have and to carry with you forever. Yeah. Okay. I need to ask this question because obviously this is an active ingredient podcast and you've come on and told me your active ingredient. Has it changed at all throughout the pandemic? Has it gotten stronger? What is your current active ingredient? I don't remember what I said. I don't remember what you said either, but yeah, just what is your current, what is your current active ingredient purpose for what it is that you're doing? It can be personally, professionally, just what is the thing that you wake up in the morning and you're like, I'm going to get after it today because of X, Y, and Z.
0: I think actually what I probably said, and I can't wait to go listen and (laughs) hear what I said, um, is just like helping people. Like, and I think that's what I said.
1: Now that you said that, it just like. Sparkled a light bulb. Yeah, I
0: asked if I'm asking myself that, like, why I like what drives me every day, and what my like main ingredient is in my professional life, but even personal, like, it's like helping people, like it it gives me endorphins it gets it gives me energy like and glow bar is helping people every single day it's helping them with their skin so whether or not you find that important that's not that's up to you but what i know is that a lot of people care about their skin and a lot of people need help with their skin and we get to do that every single day and my team gets to do that and you know help is in every layer of glow bar so glow bar is helping newer estheticians find their their career and their dream and actualize it. Um, Help is, you know, my corporate team, helping them grow in their careers through a really sustainable business. Like, and it helps me just like gain confidence every day that like I can do this and like that, like I have a real purpose on this planet. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I just, um, I love helping people and it's, it just makes me feel good. I love it. And that is hundred percent what you said Is it? the last
1: one. Yeah. All is. right. We'll have
0: to compare and contrast. But I, so I do think, I think that's just like why I was put on this planet. Like even um, like if you texted me like this weekend and you're like, Hey, I need help. I need an intro to like I don't even know, like this artist, I'm just looking around. I'm like, what should I say? A podcast microphone or an artist? Um, But like this artist, like it would like bring me so much weird joy to help you connect with that person. And like, it's not like to people please. It's not to like, but it's like, I just love helping people. And it's like, whenever I'm in a down, like mood or something or like not feeling great, I'm like, okay, like who can I like go buy a little gift for or like help them with something? Like it just brings me up. Um, I love so that. I'm lucky that I have a business that allows me to do that.
1: I'm going to give you an opportunity to help a lot of us that are struggling right now. How the hell do we handle mask me? Yeah, maskne is this like new, I think Merriam-Webster would say that that's the key term <laughs> for this year,
0: but mask me is such a pain in the ass. And I don't even have the perfect answer because a lot of estheticians out there are like coming up with these like, you know, Instagram, like here are the five tips to get rid of maskne. And the reality is that you're not supposed to have a mask on your face all day. Doctors deal with this every single day. They've had masks in their whole career. But what I can say is, make sure that mask is clean. So wash it every single day. So have, does it matter what soap? No, if your skin isn't irritated by it. But like, but throw, should it be like the
1: same soap that you used to wash your face?
0: No, it can be like like laundry detergent. Okay. Um And so wash your masks. So get enough that can get you through like seven days, and put them through the wash every day. Um, make sure your skin is clean before you put on your mask and if you sweat a lot wash your face again replace your mask like keep it clean um it, that's like the that's like the big takeaway um the other thing you can do is put if you don't want to buy disposable masks cuz we all are trying to help this beautiful planet that we live on you can put like um a piece of like the tissue yeah. or in between your mask and your face just like and replace the tissue obviously that you have to dispose of those mm-hmm. tissues. So I don't know how you feel about that. But like, honestly, it's just something we're all going to have to deal with and come to Glow Bar. I mean, I hate <laughs> to say that. And obviously that has to be my answer, but like come to Glow Bar. Let's keep your skin clean. Let's keep your pores like as clear as possible um, and make sure you're washing
1: your face morning and night and washing your masks. I have one more question. What has it been like? You've already started seeing people, right? Mm-hmm. At both yeah. Locations. Oh, yeah. Um, what What's the skin looking like post the pandemic when people couldn't get facials?
0: Yeah, pretty rough. Like <laughs> we're all like really congested, um, especially in our chin because those masks and the breathing and like our breath. And, and our hormones also, like we're all stressed. so stressed. Yeah, the extra cortisol definitely doesn't help. So hormonal acne is off the charts. Um, and just like congestion, um, which leads to like rougher skin texture, breakouts, um blackheads um, and like duller looking skin. Um, yeah. But the good news is that we're back and we can help with that. Um, but yeah, my skin is like disgustingly congested. So I
1: went to Miami to visit my family and this was before facials were open here. Uh-huh. And I was like, I literally need to just like take advantage and get a facial here. The facialist was like, honey, this is not going to be enough. You need two more after this to decongest your face. And That's I was amazing. like, Oof. <laughs> Your skin looks great. You're well, going I'm to Glow Bar. going to Glow Bar literally right after this. So, um, okay. Is there anything else that you really want the Active Ingredient listener to know about your experience so far? And I mean, if not, you can just let us know where we can follow you and continue to see your amazing journey.
0: Yeah. I mean, I honestly, like reach out if you have any questions or need like support. And I think like the big thing is like you have to find this confidence and resilience inside yourself. Um I don't have one person that has like been able to make me feel better in these moments or like give me like, people have given me hope, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and the support doesn't go unnoticed. Like when my friends are like, you got this, like you're not a failure. Mm -hmm. Like you will, you're not the type of person to fail. Like that helps. But like, You have to get yourself up. And so you have to choose to feel like not only happy, but like positive and like confident in your future. And I just would continue to encourage everyone to really work on themselves if they are feeling like they need, you know, that boost. Um, But you can follow me at Rachelista. Um, or Glow Bar, um, and come in and visit one of our two New York studios.
1: Amazing. Well, thank you. I feel like I'm going to have you on for a third one because I can't wasn't wait. enough. I love to talk to um, you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening. And if you can take two seconds of your time to rate and review us, it would really mean the world and help us out a ton. If you guys want more inspiration and quotes from the episode, you can check us out on Instagram at Active Ingredient. See you next week.